Maybe it's a classic or maybe a flop. Has Katie seen it? She probably has not. She'll sit down and watch it if it's good or it's bad. Hey, have you seen this? No, Katie hasn't seen that. Hi, I'm Katie, and if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, wait, you haven't seen this movie? Oh my god, you need to see this movie. I'd be very rich. So this is my podcast, where I finally watch those movies you all have told me I need to see, and I tell you what I think. Hey, guess who's back? It's me, it's Katie, I'm back. Um, I'm going to be watching Mars Attacks. I've been told to very much remember that there is an S on the end of attacks. But then as I was looking up this movie, I'm like, oh, what if I watched the wrong Mars attack? I called it Mars attack and apparently it's Mars attacks with an exclamation point. And normally you don't see a lot of punctuation in movie titles, so that's exciting. But before we dive in, before we delve into whatever this movie might be, don't get your throat into a goiter. There might be spoilers. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know. At this point, I'm just wondering if we should discontinue this. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, what's a cool catchphrase to be like, hey, there's spoilers ahead. I don't know if I should just say that. Like, you, you're just warned. There's spoilers. I just feel like there needs to be something special about it. Like, I tell you that there's spoilers, but then when I say don't get your goiter in a twist, I don't know. Here we are. This is where we are. This was movie number two to start off season two of Katie Hasn't Seen That. Mars Attacks, a Tim Burton movie. This was in the top four for community voted movies for Katie Hasn't Seen That. I have wanted to see Mars Attacks for a long time. I was alive when it came out. It looks like it came out in 1996. But you won't believe this. I was a little too young to watch Mars Attacks when I was that young. It's only rated PG-13. And for some reason, this whole time, I thought this movie was rated R. Surprise, it's not. I am shocked at the cast list that I'm looking at currently. Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Pierce Brosnan, Annette Bening, Natalie Portman, Sarika Jessica Parker, Michael J. Fox are in Mars Attacks. I don't know how I have not seen this movie because I do love me some Tim Burton. You know, Tim Burton doesn't always knock it out of the park. But you know what? I'm a general Tim Burton fan. I love the aesthetic. I am the Hot Topic kid wearing the Nightmare Before Christmas shirt. Here's the thing, though. Tim Burton only produced Nightmare Before Christmas. There is a different director of Nightmare Before Christmas. The director is Henry Selick for Nightmare Before Christmas. The story is by Tim Burton. But that's a common misconception. But everything gets associated with Tim Burton's aesthetic is like Nightmare Before Christmas. But you gotta know this. If you know Tim Burton, you know his movies look a certain way. And I've seen a lot of Tim Burton movies. Let's go through and see which ones I have seen. So if any of you are like, hey, Katie, you haven't seen anything. Let me list off some of the Tim Burton movies I have seen. Beetlejuice. Edward Scissorhands. I'm pretty sure I've seen most of Edward. Planet of the Apes, Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Alice in Wonderland, and maybe that's it now that I'm looking at it. But that's a lot of his movies. He's only done, hold on, I gotta count, 19 movies of which I have seen 10, but I would even say 10 and a half because I've seen part of Batman Returns. 
It was at the gym. The gym had one of those rooms that they got rid of where they had exercise equipment in it and they would play a movie. And so I saw most of Batman Returns while walking on a treadmill and riding a bike. So I've seen a lot of Tim Burton movies. And so for anyone being like, "Mm, Katie, what have you even watched? Probably a Tim Burton movie. So I'm kind of excited to watch Mars Attacks. And also look at this cast. Again, I can't believe there's this many famous people in this movie and I didn't know that. So that's a shocker of the day. I always saw the trailer for this and thought the aliens looked really weird. I think there's a lady with like big blonde hair and kind of a beehive situation, but like an abnormal beehive. So I'm not actually really sure what this movie is about. I'm assuming Mars attacks us. And the aliens in the movie are the aliens from Mars and that there will be some military intervention. This is another space movie that I think you all thought I might like. I'm really curious because I love movies from the 90s. I really enjoy Tim Burton movies. Is this going to be the perfect storm or am I going to rip apart this movie as well when we get to the second half of this episode? It's listed as a sci-fi comedy, and it clocks in at one hour, 50 minutes. Cha-ching, coming in at that sweet spot, right under two hours. I'm just saying, the sweet spot for movies is between one and a half hours to 150 max. I don't make the rules, okay? I don't know if I've already mentioned this, but Danny Elfman did the music. Danny Elfman's done a ton of music for a ton of Tim Burton movies, and I think you would recognize his musical flair if you heard it, a la Nightmare Before Christmas, Beetlejuice. There was a Beetlejuice 2? Okay, I was looking at stuff. I didn't realize that there was a Beetlejuice 2. Wait, there was a Beetlejuice 2 and Tim Burton directed it? No, this isn't real, is it? This is real. Is this real? Oh, no, I lied to you. Wait, is this just news? Hold on. Beetlejuice 2. What's going on with the potential sequel released November 1st, 2021? Okay, I think this is just a bunch of like, oh my gosh, let's try to make it happen. I think this is just something that's been on the back burner for a long ass time and maybe it'll happen at some point, but I wouldn't get my hopes up for it. Getting back to it, though, Danny Elfman to Tim Burton is like John Williams is to Steven Spielberg. You know the music when you hear it. So I'm probably going to enjoy the whimsy of Danny Elfman's music. I just remember when it came out, I obviously wasn't allowed to watch it. I was too young. And also, I kind of feel like it wasn't a movie that was even like discussed in my house. So I don't know. I I don't really know what vibe this movie is going to throw off. I'm trying really hard to not read the description, but I have to tell you, just from a little glancy glance at these ratings, I'm a little nervous about it. I think this movie kind of tanked, if I remember, like it was a flop or it was not really well received. I think it was panned by critics. Let's check the box office. This had an estimated budget of 700. No, I lied to you. That would have been a lot. 70 million dollars you know just not 700 million just a mere 70 million dollars how does that amount of money even exist and it's kind of sometimes when i sit down and think about how entertainment is consumed in our society i love entertainment don't get me wrong but just the sheer amount of money that goes into it that maybe just a little bit maybe more should go into researching cures for cancer or you know paying teachers more i'm just saying i don't know but I do love me my entertainment. So, okay. How much did this movie gross worldwide? 
$101,371,017. So it didn't blow any box offices away, but at least it turned a profit. I'm kind of excited to watch this, if I'm being completely honest. So I'm just yapping away about this. Let's talk the stats. Let's talk numbers. Let's talk what the internet says about Mars Attacks. Internet Movie Database gives this bad boy a 6.4 out of 10. Okay, a little bit better than half. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 55%, a little closer to half. Oh my God, that letterbox thing is back. Nobody wants you letterboxed. For those curious though, Letterboxd gave it a 3.2 out of 5. And our good friend Metacritic gave it a Metascore of 52. (sighs) And last but not least, our sweet, sweet Google users gave it an 84%. So I don't know. Seems like the general public likes it. I'm kind of curious because on Rotten Tomatoes, there is the critic score and then there is a viewer score. Oof, though I just checked and the viewer score is lower than the critic score at a 53%. So, you know, this could go either way. Um, I guess I should be ready for anything. I think I was right about it being kind of not well received when it came out. So I guess I'm going to go watch Weird Looking Aliens, which I'm totally down for, with a star-studded cast and see some space humor, maybe a little bit of that Tim Burton aesthetic that every parent always was like, oh my God, why is my kid like this? But hey, I still have that Nightmare Before Christmas t-shirt and I wear it. Live your best Tim Burton vibe, okay? All right, I'm going to go watch this movie and then I'm going to let you all know what I think. Well, 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 I watched Mars Attacks. Making sure to emphasize that S on the end. (laughs) This movie starts off with a bang. And I don't know if bang's the right word to say, but it's on fire. There is a herd of cows on fire. And that was uh, somewhat upsetting. I wrote down that OMG, the cows on fire was so upsetting. Because I love animals and I didn't want to see cows on fire. And then these two farmers just have a casual discussion about something being barbecued. But no, it's the herd of cows on fire. Uh, And, you know, the culprit was the aliens. Um, You know, I want to say it. These aliens are malicious as f**k. I'm going to start reading the movie info from Rotten Tomatoes because sometimes it's hard for me to just kind of like explain what's happening in a succinct way and kind of sum up the movie in all its parts. So I feel like this is the best way to do it before I dive in and talk about what I think. So, Mars Attacks. If you haven't seen it, what is it? It is a fleet of Martian spacecraft surround the world's major cities, and all of humanity waits to see if the extraterrestrial visitors have, as they claim, come in peace. U.S. President James Dale, played by Jack Nicholson, receives assurance from science professor Donald Kessler, played by Pierce Brosnan, that the Martians' mission is a friendly one. But when a peaceful exchange ends in the total annihilation of the U.S. Congress, military men call for a full-scale nuclear retaliation. This movie was so violent. For a PG-13 movie, violent as You know me, I love my documentaries. There is a documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated from 2006. 
It is literally about how the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America, and their rating system and how it works and how it intertwines with American culture and society. It is so interesting because there is so much hypocrisy and double standards in how movies get rated. So watch that documentary. It's super interesting because this movie was, yes, cartoony violence, but the body count. The body count alone in this movie? Oh, there is a website that I just found called List of Deaths Wiki, and they estimate that 228 humans died in this movie. I think it was a lot more than that. Three animals, there's some puppy death in it, and that was sad. And I should be equally as sad about the human death, but you know, animal deaths just hit different. And then they're saying that 5,065,000 aliens died. Where are they getting that number? Like, how do they know there are 5 million Martians that have died because of this? I guess because at the end, you know, yodeling apparently explodes their heads. So easy solution for the Martian problem. Yet I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. The movie starts with cows on fire and it quickly moves on from there. There is nothing that quite hits like a 90s opening credit sequence, though. It just hits different. So many names, so much filler screen. There was UFOs in this one, and I loved that for me. I loved the music. This is when you start to hear Danny Elfman's music kind of get introduced and be in the forefront while a bunch of super famous people's names go across the screen. So I was kind of into it. I, I feel like I like 90s title screens. I enjoy title screens for movies when they're interesting to look at. But the minute it's just names on a screen, I'm like, oh my God, this is so boring. I hate it. So I, I don't know if the UFOs kind of swayed me in the opposite direction for this, but just by the sheer amount of names we see on the opening sequence, we meet so many damn characters and I just need to get one thing out of the way. Buckle up for the roller coaster of notes I took about one specific character named Art Land. So we meet a lot of people in this first opening bit. We see a man at a Vegas casino dressed as King Tut. We meet the president and his wife and the first daughter. Is that what they're called? The first daughter? The first children? Well, Natalie Portman is named Taffy and she's the child of the president. And we also meet a character that is named Art Land, who I believe is trying to find some real estate, get a lay of the land. I think he wants to open up his own space casino. Completely oblivious to what's going on in the world. But I wrote a note and it says, it was neat seeing Jack Nicholson play something a bit different. And then a few minutes later, I write, oh, the cowboy wasn't Jack Nicholson, LOL. Then later on, in all caps, I write, OMG, the cowboy is Jack Nicholson. Followed by a note later on that says, it's a weird choice to have Jack Nicholson play two different characters when no one else is. Which begs the question, why on earth was Jack Nicholson playing the president and Art Land? I couldn't stop thinking about this the whole movie. It was like, is he? Isn't he? What's going on? And so I had to look it up because I'm like, why? And then I started getting confused. Like, are other characters playing two characters? I was like, they have so many famous people in it. They should have just cast someone else for Art Land. And then I fell down a rabbit hole where my mind would not escape trying to figure out the logic between casting Jack Nicholson as both Art Land and the president of the United States. And you know me, I always like my trivia when we get to the second half of the podcast. Allegedly, 
Tim Burton was told repeatedly that he could not kill off Jack Nicholson's character in a movie. This led to his decision to cast Nicholson in two roles and to kill him off in both of them. That just seems like a personal vendetta that someone said, you can't do this. And then someone else said, oh yeah, watch me do it twice. And so it was a little weird. It, it almost felt like very personal and it almost felt odd. I will say though, like Jack Nicholson did occasionally make me go, is that Jack Nicholson? Which was impressive because Jack Nicholson very much just plays Jack Nicholson. And I have the same problem with Danny McBride. We started The Righteous Gemstones and literally were in the first episode and I was like, can Danny McBride play anything other than this character? He's got a half mullet. He's yelling and angry all the time. Like, good for him. He's made a career out of this. But like, sometimes it's jarring. Like, it takes you out of it. The movie doesn't feel as immersive because you're like, I'm watching this actor play a character. So... It was neat to see Jack Nicholson do something a little different and confuse the hell out of me, but it was weird. It was weird that he played two characters and it was something that did dominate my mind most of watching this movie. Oh God, I just took a sip of tea and it was real hot. Okay. The movie starts off where we find out there's aliens around and so the president makes an announcement to the country and he's sitting so leisurely in his chair by a fireplace just complete lounge city. And I was like, what a weird way for a president to make an announcement. Just like suave debonair. Ladies and gentlemen, we found aliens and it's totally going to be cool and stuff. And we're going to say hi to them. And guess what? It's going to be awesome. And it was just like odd way to make an announcement because I'm so used to a president looking like he's aged 50 years when he makes a new announcement and he's like reading from a script and he does not look like he's cozying up to a fireplace. He usually looks stressed as hell. And I feel like if aliens were coming, he'd be a little stressed. But, you know, this is a Tim Burton world. Everyone seems pretty jazzed that there are aliens. And we meet a lot of characters. And there's Sarah Jessica Parker and Michael J. Fox's characters who work at a TV station and do news and fashion reporting. Martin Short is in this and he plays the press secretary for the president. I love Martin Short. I was so excited to see Martin Short in this and he did an amazing job and I love him forever and always. He's also in Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Selena Gomez and I really like that show. And part of that is because Martin Short is in it. But we meet his character and he's kind of picking up some hookers, if you know what I mean. He works a high stress job. He needs to release some steam, I bet. Um, we also meet some folks in a trailer park and one of those characters is Jack Black. And I'll say it, it was refreshing to not see Jack Black play an air trumpet with his mouth. Isn't that what he does? He does like the... I was really glad that didn't happen in this movie. However, he did drop the R word, which seems so dated at this point. This came out in 96, and I know back then vernacular was different and people would say the R word. And we watched all seasons of Buffy because I didn't get to watch that growing up. I know I've talked about this before. But Xander dropped the R word a couple times in that. And every time it's just so like, oh my, uh, it's like jarring. So Jack Black drops that and calls his brother that. Richie, who ends up being like the savior, he and grandma saved the world essentially. And everybody's like being so rude to Richie. But Jack Black's in this. And it was just interesting to see him, you know, not play a fake air horn. And he eventually died too. I mean, a lot of the actors died when they have first contact with these aliens. They meet in the desert. The military and press are there and the aliens get off the ship and show up. And apparently 
The scientists seem to know a lot about these aliens and their anatomy before meeting the aliens because they saw a picture of them on the TV screen, which was weird. It just seemed like maybe they were guesstimating a lot. And then one of the scientists rolls out and like, hey, we have a translating machine. And I was like, were they just making that anyways? And it works for translating this alien's language or did there were some plot holes, I guess, is what I'm getting at. There were a few things that made me go, huh, how, how did they get there? So if anybody knows more about how they knew so much about the alien's anatomy and a translation machine, sound off. I'd like to know. But the aliens show up. It's kind of funny. They get off the ship and they speak in their amazing alien language, which I think can be perfectly summed up as the Aflac duck with the gain blown out. So the way that they talk is very entertaining and also very confusing. The CGI wasn't great all the time on the aliens, but it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I would almost have preferred if there was some puppetry, a little bit of puppetry intermingled with this so that it wasn't all computer generated. I feel like in the 90s, it was like the heyday of like, look what we can do with computers. And then they just did CGI to high heaven. And sometimes it wasn't the right choice. But you know what? I could say that about a lot of movies today, too. Sometimes CGI isn't the right choice. We need more practical effects. Like that's one of the beautiful things about filmmaking. And I appreciate more the realism and the creativity that goes into that instead of being like, this machine can render this image to look real smooth and mostly real. You can always tell when it's CGI. Like even nowadays where stuff is like real good, you can still tell it's CGI. I'm a sucker for practical effects. I just enjoy that more. So I wouldn't have minded a puppet every now and then. But I will say those aliens, they got some badonkadonks. They got some booty. They're mostly walking around their spaceships in their underwear. And they got some cake. They got some booty that they're working with. And I think that needs to be acknowledged. But we meet these aliens for the first time and the translation machine kind of works. But then someone releases a dove and that either pisses off the aliens or they just this whole time were just ready to rampage after saying they came in peace and they murder everyone who came to say hello to them at this first contact meeting. And then they take Sarah Jessica Parker's character and her little dog named Poppy. And I was like, I swear to God, if anything happens to Poppy and essentially what they did is, you know, alien experiments, you know, they took their bodies apart. Poppy was a chihuahua. So they obviously put Sarah Jessica Parker's head on the chihuahua and the chihuahua's head on Sarah Jessica Parker's body. I mean, it's just classic alien stuff. They also get Kessler at some point, who's Pierce Brosnan. And boy, I should look up Sarah Jessica Parker's character's name. Natalie. Her name was Natalie. Natalie and Dr. Kessler had a little bit of flirty flirtiness on her show when she was interviewing him. But Natalie was dating Michael J. Fox. But Michael J. Fox got murdered by the aliens, so... When the aliens get Dr. Kessler and remove his head, they have time to finally discuss what their future could be with their disembodied heads. I don't think it ended well for them because at the end, Yodeling blew up every alien's head and then they crashed into a bunch of places and Natalie and Dr. Kessler were on one of those spaceships. So I don't think that it worked out. But, you know, they had those last moments of I wish it could have been. So maybe in the ever after they've figured that out. I will say this movie didn't have the same aesthetic of a Tim Burton movie. It was more tame, but I did like it. It felt like Tim Burton light. Like someone told him, 
you need to call it back a little bit. And he went, fine. And so he still put some of those little elements into it. But it is not Edward Scissorhands. It is not Beetlejuice. It is its own thing, which I think that's something to say about it. It stands alone. It doesn't feel too out there. I feel like Tim Burton movies are like modern, dark, twisted fairy tales. But you have to think about it. If you've ever read Grimm's fairy tales or the originals, fairy tales are up. And I think that Tim Burton does a good job of adding whimsy, color, intrigue visually while still laying out a story that is coherent. And that's really important to me. I have figured out after doing this podcast for some time, I really do not like continuity errors. I don't like when things aren't coherent. And I think that he did a good job setting some things up. For example, Martin Short talking to those prostitutes. Later on, the aliens dress up as a sexy woman who has a very large beehive hair and she moves so cool. Like she's so cool in the way that she moves and she's chewing gum. And so Martin Short is leaving his job and he sees her and he's like, hey, I can give you a tour of the White House, girl. And she's like, "Mm hmm. She doesn't actually say anything. She just nods her head in a circle. And he takes that to mean she'd like to see the White House. He tries to get busy with her. She bites off his finger. She turns into a regular alien and tries to kill the president. Doesn't go too well. But I really loved that whole sequence. I thought it went a place I didn't expect it to go. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, it's a robot. And then I was like, oh no, it's an alien. I was riveted during that whole sequence. And visually, I really enjoyed it. We meet so many characters at the beginning. I was like, I don't know how this is all going to intersect. It didn't fully all intersect, but there was like drive-by situations and some of it made sense and some of it was just kind of kept separate. That was fine. I would have probably liked to see a little bit more strings tied together, but I also enjoyed that there was enough happening and we were flipping around a lot that it kept it interesting and they didn't linger on something for too long. Some of this movie's a little anticlimactic, like Richie's going to save his grandma at the home and she's listening to yodeling music. The aliens accidentally unplug the radio and then the yodeling starts and it blows their heads up. So it's a little anticlimactic in that sense. But overall, I felt like the movie, I couldn't get mad at it. Like I just was watching it and I was like, I can't really be mad at this movie. It made me go, wow, humans are stupid, which... I was trying to figure out if this was a commentary on anything or just basic human stupidity. We kept giving these Martians chances over and over again, and they constantly opened up their crazy weapons on us and melted our bodies into colorful skeletons. At what point do you just gotta like take them out? And apparently they couldn't breathe in our atmosphere. There's just options we were figuring out as this went on, but apparently yodeling was the main thing that took them out. At the end, it was like, how did the entire world figure out that yodeling was okay? Essentially, these Martians are just assholes. These are just jerks who I think enjoy tormenting other beings in the universe and literally don't care. They're just like prankster assholes. One qualm I had is like, did the aliens understand us? Because at the end, the president's trying to give a speech, you know, why can't we just be friends, essentially? And the alien has like a tear in his eye before his arm reaches out to shake the president's hand, then disconnects and then stabs the president through the heart stomach and kills him. So I think that these aliens can understand us. I wasn't actually sure if they have it. They probably have some sort of way to translate. See, this is the thing with sci-fi. I can explain away a lot, 
though I couldn't explain away a lot in Starship Troopers. There's just some things you can't explain away. Another thing, though, is the president's wife just got fully imploded by a chandelier. Just fully wrecked. Her body crumpled under the weight of that chandelier, which made me ask my husband, is that possible? I think she could get real hurt, but her body folded in half like a piece of paper. And I just sat there like, well, that just happened. Nothing really made me laugh out loud during this movie. I was more amused than anything. I know this was kind of a comedy. There was a lot of like a, hmm, okay, like that, like that kind of thing. So it was amusing. I wouldn't say that I was belly laughing at all. I just think my standards for comedy are just way too high. <laughs> I just have such a high standard for comedy. That's heavy sarcasm in case, you know, I need to make that clear. I just didn't think it was like a funny movie. It was more amusing and it was fast paced enough to keep me interested. So what does Katie give Mars attacks? I didn't hate it. So that's a win. That's a win, y'all. But I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10 alien badonkadonks because I don't think it's quite seven material. I don't know if over the time I've done this podcast, anything seven and above seems like gold tier standard. I would recommend this movie to somebody to be like, you want something kind of mindless and goofy and weird? Watch Mars Attacks. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, this is a seven and you need to go watch some Mars Attacks. I mean, it's just not quite enough alien badonkadonks. But I don't think that I would tell someone to not watch this. So, you know, I'm not mad that you made me watch this. I actually kind of enjoyed it, but I don't think I'm going to ever watch it again. But it is one of those movies, if I was scrolling and flipping through the channels, if cable ever comes back and I'm like, ah, TNT is playing Mars Attacks, guess I'll leave this on while I make dinner. That could happen. Have you seen Mars Attacks? And if so, what do you think? How does it compare to other Tim Burton movies? Do you like this? Do you wish it had more Tim Burton-esque qualities to it? I like the whimsy of it. It had a lot of famous people in it. Danny DeVito showed up at some point. There's characters that I really enjoyed. Jim Brown's character specifically. I wanted Byron to win. And at the end, he did get to go home to be with his ex-wife and his kids, who he hopefully won back. I didn't love the ending when Natalie Portman kind of became the president lady because her parents were both dead. <laughs> And her and Richie, it was almost implied like they're the new leaders of this post-apocalyptic world. It was a weird movie and I like weird movies. And so I'm kind of glad that I have seen this. It's under my belt buckle now and I have seen Mars Attacks. I like to do trivia and I was really searching for a piece of trivia that I cannot find. But the Madame Martian, the one with the big beehive, how on earth did they get her to move that way? She looked like she was on roller skates or being rolled. And I just want to know how she moved that way. And if one of you knows, please tell me because it's killing me. I just want to know how they made her move like that. It was so cool to me. But another fun fact about the Martian girl is that her costume had no zipper or buttons to make it as smooth as possible. So Lisa Marie, who played the Martian girl, had to be sewn into it every day. That's commitment, man. I thought this was interesting, but the radio telescope shown is in Parks, New South Wales, Australia, and is the same one used to receive the signal of the moon landing in 1969. I love me some space trivia, so I thought I'd include that one. And finally, Barry Purves, 
I hope that's how you say his name. I'm hoping that I'm not. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Was originally involved with creating the Martians using stop motion animation and helped develop some of their gestures. He developed a test reel with 70 animators over eight months. But when the effects were projected to push the budget up to 100 million, the producers decided to use computer graphics imagery, CGI, instead. And Purvis was never credited for his contributions. Ugh! I would have loved to have seen this in stop motion. And Barry Purves, I really, it's P-U-R-V-E-S. I hope I'm saying that right. But Barry, thank you for your efforts. We always end our episodes with some comments from folks. But before we do that, I do have another song to play for you all. And then I will take it out with some comments from you all that you have shared about your thoughts on the movies that I've done in the past. This is a fan version of the theme song from Prow Poe called Has Katie Seen That? And I just need to play this for you all because I still can't get over that some of you have made fan songs of the theme song of this show. So without further ado, here is Prow Poe's version of Has Katie Seen That? Maybe it's a classic or maybe a flog. Has Katie seen it? She probably has not. She'll sit down and watch it if it's good or it's bad. Hey. Have you seen this? No, Katie hasn't seen that. This was such a fun episode to come back with. And if you're like, hey, Katie, you sound like slightly different. It's because I'm recording the comments that you guys are sharing with me after. And I have COVID. So I, I just came back from a whirlwind trip around Europe. I was careful. I didn't touch my face. I wore my mask. Masks are not a thing around the world. At airports, U.S. just as guilty as the rest of the world. So my little weak immune system could not fight off COVID. I'm so sad about it. I literally have tried so hard for the last two and a half years to not get this. And so I'm home now and I'm wearing a mask in my house because I'm trying so hard to not get Mark sick, my husband. So if I sound a little different, it's because I got the vid. And it's awful. I do not recommend this. I'm fully vaccinated and I do not want to know how I'd be feeling if I was not fully vaccinated right now. So I'm just going to say a little PSA. Wear your masks, even though it didn't seem like it helped me. I just feel like I wore my mask. So hopefully I helped mitigate any sort of spread of this because I unfortunately got it. So yes, I'm back from my trip. I've got COVID, but let's talk Starship Troopers. You all shared. Some wonderful thoughts. I mean, honestly, we got a lot of comments on the YouTubes. We got some comments on the Twitters and Discord. So if you want to join the conversation and let me know your thoughts about the movies I watch, do so. So we're going to be talking comments from Starship Troopers, which was the last episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mars Attacks, and I cannot wait to see what you all have to say about this one. First up is a comment on YouTube from Tyant, who said, Oh no, Katie, did you miss the satire commentary on fascism? I think I may have. It's an empire gone wrong, revoking citizenship, giving it only to soldiers, high school kids who only know propaganda and military service, incompetent leadership, and reward the party line, etc. It's not Blade Runner, but it's a cautionary tale wrapped up as a space marine action movie facade. All the things you didn't enjoy are kind of the point. You're supposed to feel that way. These are terrible people in a terrible world gone wrong, making all the wrong choices and never learning better. They're the Terran Empire. Now, whether you want to feel that way for two hours is definitely up for debate. Great having you back. Always a fun listen. 
Thank you for your perspective, Tyan. I really love reading about this stuff because like I watch these movies, but I always don't have the full background on what the movie's supposed to evoke sometimes. I'm just going based on my gut reaction to what I'm watching. So I really, really love reading what you all have to say. And thank you so much for your perspective on this. Another comment from YouTube is from Sleepy Dragon Man, who said, Yep, book is much better in that it has more sense for what the mobile infantry are, mechs instead of mass army, and how Highline describes his highly insidious ideals into the world. There's a lot of dumb in the leadership of the movie's world. They made a good-looking dumb action movie, but it's really, really dumb. The animated series is better as well, although they ran out of money before they could finish their story. Also, more Dong Along needed. Thank you, Sleepy Dragon Man. I didn't know this was based on a book. Maybe I did. Have I forgotten? Possibly. But a lot of you said the book is better. So that's something that I might need to jump into. And I did not know there was an animated series based on Starship Troopers. On Twitter, Dave, aka Dr. Claw MD, said, Love this episode. In my opinion, your frustration and discomfort with this movie is both valid and by design. Highline's novel was arguably pro-war to the point of being pro-fascist. Verhoeven sought to satire this by heightening military aspects, propaganda, jingoism to farcical levels. I love that I was able to feel that from the movie, but man, I just think I went into Starship Troopers thinking it was going to be like a fun action movie. And I got something much different that had a lot of issues that I didn't love. But I hope you really liked episode one of season two, Starship Troopers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know your thoughts. I read all of the comments you all send to me on Twitter and Discord and YouTube, and I wish I could share them all here. So I try to pick as many as I can to share. And I just love reading what you all have to say about these movies. So I can't wait to hear what you all have to say about this movie. And I will catch you all very soon. If you want to hang out with me more, or if you just want to yell at me for my thoughts on a specific movie, I stream over on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash katiepetersplays. If you'd like to support the podcast and buy me a coffee to fuel my reviews, you can over on Ko-fi at www.ko-fi.com slash katiepetersplays. You can join my Discord to discuss the movies I review with other Katie Hasn't Seen That fans by visiting discordapp.com slash invite slash katiepetersplays. If you enjoy Katie Hasn't Seen That, please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show. Also, feel free to follow and chat with me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Instagram and YouTube at KatiePetersPlays. Music written and performed by Mark Can Do It, Katie Hasn't Seen That is a part of the Geek Generation Network.